This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Host of Beauty Now, a weekly podcast that brings you the latest in all things beauty. We have featured lasers, lifts, breast dogs, vaginal rejuvenation, face, neck, lashes, hair, skin, makeup, and all things anti-aging. Today we have esteemed plastic surgeon Dr. Toby Mayer from Beverly Hills. Yes, he's doctor to the stars, but he's here today to give us some free advice on what's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do when you want to look like Jennifer Aniston and maybe you need a lot more work than she did. But once that skin is gone, I can't make that person ever look as good as I could have in the beginning because the skin is gone. If I lift their brows up, they won't be able to close their eyes. And people are trying to get a, a quick fix. You know, oh, the weekend facelift. Oh, they, you just could take a laser and do it. And, and I always ask them, where or, or, or the other current one where they're using a wire? And you say, when they lift it up, where does the skin go? If he's only making a one-inch incision, what happens to the skin? I'll tell you the other one that for your listeners that's really important is this incision that goes uh, in the hair in the temple where someone's pulling back on the temple and that creates the most unnatural look because then you're moving a woman's temporal hairline back and that really will age them. Uh, it, you've, you've removed the woman's best hair because that's, that operation was, was very popular about 30 years ago. Welcome, Dr. Mayer. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you, Terry. It's very nice being with you. Hopefully we can give uh, all your listeners some good information. Well, I think, you know, today and, and in today's economy, I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners when they see a picture of Angelina Jolie and they want to bring it into you and they want to look like that, what's your advice? Well, first of all, I tell them you, you can never look like that person because everyone has different skin, head, hair. There's so many variables, but it gives us an idea we like patients to bring in pictures because it gives an idea of what they like. Sometimes they'll bring us in pictures of people that are overdone and very overdone. Uh, and then we say, well, this person has a pinched tip. If you saw her in real life, you wouldn't want that. And sometimes uh, we're asked, oh, how does Angelina Jolie look like that? My God. Well, she's 33 years old. And like most of the stars, they're photographed with flash bulbs. And they have so much light on their face that Mother Teresa would look 20 years old if you put that much light on her face. Bring on the light. Yeah, if we could only walk around with that light all day long. Wouldn't that be nice? Bring on the light. Yeah, sometimes the pictures are airbrushed uh, if they're in a magazine uh, done for an ad, for example. 
when you see these pictures of Andy McDowell, uh, once again, if it's in a print ad, uh, obviously they can be airbrushed. Uh, on television, there's so much light on their face that you, you can't have a person who's 50 years old has no lines on their face because you don't... Why not? <laughs> you just don't see that in real life. I mean, we can improve it. Right. We and how do we improve better. that, Dr. Mayer? Let's just say there's a 50-year-old and she wants, she's got lines on her face. Where do you start? Well, uh, whenever I see a patient, I always start at the top and work my way down. I tell them that, you know, if they pay for the consultation, they might as well hear what's on the a la carte menu for them. And right. The different ways something can be done. Like, how can I correct my tired eyes? Well, it may not be eye surgery. It may be a forehead lift. But I give them the advantage and the disadvantage of many different ways of doing it. I may have my preference, but sometimes I'll say to someone, you know, your eyebrows really are giving you the lines because your forehead is sagging, and we can kill many birds with one stone here so you don't need your eyelids done. And I go on to my little spiel, and then when I'm done, they say, well, great, I understood what you said. I just want to get my eyelids done. Right, and I think that's because it's really difficult to hear about a brow lift. I think that women are afraid of it. I I actually had to learn about that myself. My husband's a plastic surgeon, and just taking the weight and taking your finger and pushing up your brow makes such a big difference, and I, I know what you're saying, and I think that people have to get the idea that it's not that big or horrific a surgery. Why well, don't you explain a little bit about what you do with a well, brow lift? With a brow lift, there's, there's two kinds of brow lifts that we do. One is where the person has a low hairline. That's only about 10% to 15% of patients. If they have a low hairline, you can make all the incisions in the hair and do everything you have to do. But the average person, the other 85%, have a high hairline. If you make incisions in back in their hair and then lift their forehead up, you're going to lift their hairline. Very often, these patients want to have their hairline remain the same or lowered. So we invented an operation many years ago, more than 20 years ago, where we make an irregular incision along the hairline. We bury the hair, do everything we have to do, and lower the hairline. At the same time, we lift the eyebrows. And in most patients, when you lift the eyebrows, you've cured the upper eyelid skin excess that they have. So you, you killed many birds with one stone, but it does sound a lot worse. And you say, oh, I'm going to just snip a little bit of skin off your eyelid. That sounds better. But once that skin is gone, I can't make that person ever look as good as I could have in the beginning. Because the skin is gone. If I lift their brows up, they won't be able to close their eyes. Right, and I and I always say that I, I don't remember who I heard it from, but it's true that you can always take more skin out, but you can't put it back in. So well, that's, that's how sometimes people look freaky, right? Yeah, and w- remember, when you see a person, a famous person, there's many, uh, from Joan Rivers to uh, Michael Jackson, where you say, gee, this person doesn't look the same anymore. They look different, not better, but different. That's a choice. That's, that's a surgeon who did that. Right. It didn't just happen because, uh, oh, they had some untoward event, because almost all facial plastic surgery has very, very low complication rate. But when you see these people who look like their face are windblown, they've been in a tunnel with the wind blowing, uh, or their eyes, their eyebrows are pulled up at the side really high, they look surprised, that's just bad surgery. 
And that, you know, that is such good advice, listeners. I mean, really hear what Dr. Mara is saying. Make sure you get a conservative surgeon because I would rather spend 10 more thousand dollars, save it up again to have more taken out than have too much done and you look terrible. Yeah, and very often the patient comes in and they will say, we start talking about a brow lift, uh, and, and they will pull out at the side of their eyebrow and pull it like up toward the temple. And I say, well, gravity doesn't work that way. If you do that, that's the way kabuki dancers put on makeup to make themselves look evil. And you see this where a lot of celebrities have, have, have this pulled eyebrow up. That's bad surgery. Gravity doesn't work to the side. It works straight up to the top of your head. And I know one actress, actually, this, I know her personally, so I'm not going to say her name, but I, she's a gorgeous girl, but her eyebrows are so darn high. They look so strange now, and she was so popular in the 80s and, and early 90s. And so, I mean, is that what you're talking about, too, yeah. even when they're mm-hmm. just pulled way, way up? Yeah, you shouldn't. You, uh, here's, here's a little tip-off, which I'm sure your listeners know. <laughs> the result they should be after is not, oh, my God, what happened to her? Exactly. That, that's not what you want. What you want is someone who thinks that you just look that way because you went to Hawaii, that you had your hair color changed, etc., not because you look pulled. So, so how can, you know, a normal person, I mean, I think that, that as a regular person, not a doctor, you're so trusting, and especially if they have decent credentials, you're so trusting of them. How do you know that they're not going to do that to you? I'm, I think you go in and you say, oh, I want to, you know, look I, at this. Or, I yeah. am so glad you asked that question because mm-hmm. that really is the key to patients not getting into trouble. I don't care about my credentials. I don't care about any of that other stuff. Don't, don't, don't pay attention to that. Obviously, you want someone that's board certified. Right. That, that's like the lowest standard that you could have. What is really uh, the essence of what the person does is show me your patients. I'll, I'll show them a live patient. Uh, right. We have enough people coming through here. I'll say, here, you want to see a brow lift? Walk in that room. I did a brow lift to that woman. I made a scar all the way across her forehead. You can't see it. And she'll tell you what her experience is. Exactly. No, because shouldn't patients even be leery of just pictures? Because you don't know where the doctor got those pictures. Yeah, you can, unfortunately, now with the uh, Photoshop, you can do too much. I've right. Had, I've, had pay, I've had my pictures lifted off my website and used by another surgeon in another country. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And that's what's scary because you don't know. I mean, yeah. that, that's the thing that you really do need to see a patient and ask for patient referrals. Most of the time, uh, you know, the good, uh, the hallmark of a good salesman, con man, is he makes you think of what you want to hear. And you, you don't want to do that. You want to make sure that I don't care how good the person sounds. You're not, you, you don't want to go to dinner with this guy. You want this guy to have in his brain. He's doing it for himself. He's right. doing it for you. And even that's, now, that's the way I, he is. Right, and now people need to be even more careful with the economy down. You know, ask for a payment plan or, you know, work with a doctor, but get the doctor that you want. You don't want to mess up your face. I've seen yeah. so many people. You don't get another face. Yeah, I had, a, I had a patient of mine recently who decided she wouldn't drive an extra 15 miles 
because I had operated on her 25 years ago, and she had a great result. She came to see me, but there was another guy that she saw, and she said, well, he's you know, only 15 miles away, and she went to him, and uh, nine months later, I had to redo everything. Forehead lift, facelift, everything. That's, you know, a lot of money to pay twice. And that is such a huge point, a redo. I would even fly to another state, fly to somebody that is a really, really good surgeon because that's not something you want to skimp on. Save your money, pay for it how you have to pay for it, but don't skimp on your face. Yeah, it, it, for example, the, the most difficult operation that we do as plastic surgeons other than reconstruction, uh, burn reconstruction or trauma reconstruction is uh, reconstruction of bad nose jobs. You know, and, you were recommended, I just wanted to tell you by another uh, great doctor that I did a podcast with for noses. So I know that you are well known for your noses. And and that's actually why I was looking for a specific nose doctor because uh, you have to be so good at noses. I mean, and and go ahead, say what you're going to say. Yeah, People people think that, oh, they say, oh, are you a good artist? And I say, no, I'm an average artist. If I was a great artist, I wouldn't be doing plastic surgery. But but what you have to be is a good architect engineer. You have to know how to make it because half of the noses I do are revisions. They've been done somewhere else before they get here, and they've taken too much. Now I have to go figure out how to rebuild this nose and make it into what we want it to be. And for a doctor to have wonderful pictures and, and drawings, that's, that's an illustrator doing that. You want to see what did this doctor do? And once again, I'll always, if a patient says to me, well, can I talk to somebody that you've done? Sure. Here, here's three people. Call all three of them. You know, the, a doctor who does good work should not uh, have any qualms about you seeing his work in other people with a similar problem to you especially noses. I have seen so many bad nose jobs that it's just, it's a tragedy. I mean, we can use Michael Jackson as an example. I mean, it's who did his last nose job? I mean, come on. I mean, who didn't say no at that point because he's a star? Yeah, well, years ago I was uh, sitting at a, a wedding at a table with about eight women, and my wife was sitting next to me, and I said, I bet you this guy did this nose job to somebody uh, sitting next to her, and sure enough, he had. Oh, and I no. told her how unfortunate, because there were half a dozen w- women at the table who, who really could have benefited from having their nose done. Right. And yet they looked at this woman who looked done, and they were probably thinking, well, if that's my choice, I'm going to leave it the way it is, and if that was their only choice, I would agree with them. But there is another choice that they don't see, because when I do work that's really, really good, those people don't tell anybody. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you really have to go to a nose specialist. I mean, and conversely, you know, you think because a plastic surgeon, and this happened to a friend of mine, he's good in a lot of other areas, but just not noses. Noses are not his thing. And she went to him for the nose, and I actually took off her bandage and gasped because this was 15 years ago, and and then she ended up having to have it redone several times by other people. So that was when, you know, I, I learned you don't just refer a good plastic surgeon who can do noses. You have to go to what you're saying, somebody who knows the engineering and the architecture of noses, yeah. like you do. You're, you're highly recommended. So 
absolutely recommend you. you for noses, too. Thank you. But you, know, you know, if somebody has a little, all plastic surgeons may have to do some little touch-up because this person makes a little bit more scar, but it's, it's like put in a little bit of local anesthetic and trim a little thing. That, that's, that's, we're not talking about that. Right. Because that, no, that, we're not talking about. We're talking about the big picture. Yeah, you look at it and you go, "Oh my God, is that that nose? It's pinched or it's scooped or it's a piggy nose," oh, and you go, so "Oh my God!" Yeah, that's, that's the worst. And we're going to have to take a break. I love talking to you. Hold on for one second. Sure. This is Terry Struck, PersonalLifeMedia.com. We're talking with Dr. Toby Mayer, and we'll be right back. Listen to Living Dialogues, thought leaders in transforming ourselves and our global community with Duncan Campbell, visionary conversationalist, bringing you the best in new paradigm thinking on personallifemedia.com. I'm back, personallifemedia.com, and I'm talking with Dr. Toby Mayer, a board-certified plastic surgeon from Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills Surgeon to the Stars, and he's giving us all great tips today. Welcome back, Dr. Mayer. Hi, Terry. Glad to be back again. We were just talking about noses and how important it is to go to the right doctor. I mean, not only the right doctor, but a doctor, I mean, there's great plastic surgeons, like I was saying, and they can do fabulous eyes, fabulous neck, whatever, but when it comes to your nose, that is right on your face, and, you know, there's been so many disasters. Yeah, because a facelift, unless unless you overdo it, and people are trying to get a a quick fix, you know, oh, the weekend facelift, oh, they, you just could take a laser and do it. And, and I always ask them, where, or, or, or the other current one where they're using a wire, and you say, when they lift it up, where does the skin go? If he's only making a one-inch incision, what happens to the skin? And they go, uh... And the answer is, you've got to make an incision big enough to remove skin, because that's the problem in facial aging. You know, if you have uh, excess fat, the fat can be suctioned if you're in your 20s. But by the time you get to be in 40s to 50s, if you suction the fat out, the skin's just going to sag. And even if you try to jack it up, now you've moved the extra skin from under the jawline to up above the jawline with like a pleat. And unfortunately, we see a bunch of those because that particular procedure uh, has had a renaissance this year and every year we see some new revolutionary uh, procedure that's supposed to be easy, simple, it only takes a weekend, and you say, yeah, it's called a facelift, just a plain facelift. And I did a show on that, the lifestyle lift, and, and the guy was really honest, I think, with Dr. Giacono, if people want to check that out, that, I mean, basically, they're not doing all the work that you'd normally do with a face so far, so that's not going to last, and it's pretty much of a waste of money. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's when... Any of these types of lifts, because you're not actually removing skin as we age, the, the glove is the skin of the face. The skull and the muscles is the hand inside the glove. The hand is getting smaller. The glove is getting larger. So you can't correct it by doing little tiny things. 
It doesn't mean if somebody's 30 that you couldn't improve them a little bit by doing that, but 30, most people don't need a facelift. Right, they're not sagging like that, right? I mean, right. so so I really think it's good advice, and, and I think this is what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, that... That if you are sagging and you're in your late 40s, 50s, you know, 60s, even 70s, 80s, that you should go for the full facelifts. Go, you know, because you're going to be spending, I don't know how much on a lifestyle lift, probably 10000 Yeah. And then it's just going to go down the drain again. Right. You're, you're spending a half to two-thirds as much for something that, you know, a year later... Uh, I was just speaking in uh, Atlanta, and a woman came up to me, and she had bad scars around her ears because she'd had a lifestyle lift, and she said, oh, this is a waste of money, and look at my neck. My neck looks just the same as it did before. And I went, yeah, well, if it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. And and is that because they don't do the intensive work that you do on a facelift? Like, let's say it takes you five, six hours to do a facelift and they're gonna do this in an hour because they don't do the stitching underneath the skin. Correct. And they don't and they don't adjust the muscle. It won't take five or six hours. I mean a good surgeon should be able to finish a facelift in roughly between two to three hours. Right. Taking out muscle re repositioning the muscle in the correct way and then removing skin without creating a pulled look. But that takes time and then you have to stitch it so that the scar doesn't spread. Otherwise the woman looks good, you know, the day afterward, but you look at her a month later and her scars are a quarter of an inch wide around her ear and she says, Oh my God, now what am I gonna do? Well, what is your best advice for getting rid of that little turkey neck thing underneath your chin? Like, it, I mean, I see people with necklaces, and then that comes back like a year later. What? Ah, uh, it comes back because that little muscle keeps moving. Uh, so years ago, um, we used to sew them together, and we said, "Gee, you know what?" Uh, the guy that I was a fellow with, that's what he did, and I thought, geez, when I was a fellow, this this doesn't work. You're kidding yourself. So we started cutting them out, and that's what we do. You have to actually cut out that muscle, sew it together in the middle so that it forms a sling underneath the jaw, and then you have to tighten it at the other end, too, because when someone's lying down having a facelift, you have a lot of uh, the excess that's at the back of their neck, because... When we look at a facelift and you said, listen, I really want to get the best neck possible, well, ideally, we just take a wedge, like a dart in sewing. We take a wedge out of the back of your neck. Well, well, good idea. Yeah, people would go, uh, wait a minute, but won't that I've be I've never heard that. That's, that's what I was thinking. Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah, it's just a bad scar. I do it for actresses who are in a much older age group. They're in their late 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. and there's no way I can get them a good neck. Uh, most of them, what they do is they just use tape while they're making the movie. They tape right. the skin back, their hair, uh, hair wig covers it, and you don't see it. And then when they uh, are done shooting that day, they take the tape off, and back comes their saggy neck. Oh, that's so sad. So that's not what we want. We want no. permanent. So yeah. what's your best advice for The best advice is you need a full facelift, and the more banding and excess skin someone has in their neck, the lower you have to go into the hairline uh, behind the ear. So you have to come down that hairline uh, into the almost, uh, not to the midline, but almost. And then you have to be very careful the way you reconstruct that line. You have to bury the hair so the hair grows through the line. Otherwise, you'd see that scar. Right. But and that's... the scars are 
for our listeners behind the ear? Be- they're in front of, fr- inside the ear, in the front. Okay. And then uh, on the back side of the ear, on the back, and then down the hairline. If you go into the hair, you can hide the line. But if you're pulling up, you're going to raise the hairline. So there's a lot of women that I have to redo their hair because they've, they've, the guys pull their hair up so much that now they've got a big step behind their ear with no hair. See, there's so many important things that you're saying, and and this is what pretty much every show I say, do your research on your doctor, do your research on what they know and what they don't know, and and doesn't matter. I mean, I see a lot of board-certified surgeons that actually don't really follow up on... And I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the other one that for your listeners that's really important is this incision that goes uh, in the hair in the temple where someone's pulling back on the temple. And that creates the most unnatural look because then you're moving a woman's temporal hairline back and that really will age them. Uh, it, you've, you've removed the woman's best hair because that's, that operation was, was very popular about 30 years ago. And the problem was that you're, uh, we did a lot of hair work, and so I was constantly replace, replacing a woman's hair because it had been removed. So you can't make that incision across the top of the head or the one in the temple. So we developed an operation where the only thing I remove when I do a forehead lift and a facelift is bald skin. I never remove any of a woman's hair. That's good because I've seen that on women. You know, their big scar on their head, and that's really sad. Yeah, they have to. Wear I mean, bangs. if they don't do it the correct way. Yeah, and they have to wear bangs after that all the time. And you see more of those now with endoscopic forehead lifts because if you're doing a good endoscopic forehead lift on a woman with a high hairline, you're going to pull her hairline back too far. Or as a woman said to me, she said, look at my hairline. Do you think this is pulled back a little bit? I said, no, but I bet your surgeon did. She said, yeah, that's what he told me. She says, this is not a little bit. And that's another good point you just brought up. I mean, you can't really count on the surgeon for really saying, oh, yeah, I did that, you know, or, I mean, hopefully a good surgeon will, a really good, honest surgeon will say we can correct or or improve upon that. Yeah, and he'll say, look, if I do this, this is what's going to happen, and this is, I'm going to raise your hairline this much. Does this bother you? I only have one more minute. I'm going to have to do another show with you. I want to ask you really quick. I get a lot of... um, Male and questions about the skin on women's arms. How can, as we get older... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's one of my favorites, too. Thank you. Just got to cover that. We'll probably have to do another show on just arms. um, We call that bat wings. Yeah, what can they do about that? Bat wings. Okay, so the best, the only, there's only a few things a woman can do. If they're young, you can suction a little bit of fat. It'll only improve it 10 to 20%. If, if they have actual skin hanging and you liposuction more, the skin is just going to hang more. And the only good operation for what we call full bat wings is to make an incision essentially from your elbow to your armpit and remove the skin. And is that's a pretty nasty scar right Yeah, now. that's like a pretty be... nasty scar. So you've got it. What about doing push-ups? <laughs> no, uh, no, well... Anything for triceps will firm that area, especially in a younger person. But you do get to, back to what we said before, the problem is the hand inside the glove is getting smaller, the glove is getting larger. 
And how do we stop the glove from getting larger? As I tell patients, I said, I can stop, I can uh, reset the clock. I can't stop it. Right. And that's such good advice. And so uh, my advice on that one, do your weights, weightlifting and everything, and then work in conjunction with your doctor. And if you do have it, you've got to have the trade-off, whether you want the scars or or you want exactly. to get a improved look. So yeah. it's a trade-off because, I mean, a lot of people are happier with scars. So that's the, we're going to have you back because I can't even believe we're running out of time. That went so fast, and I actually want to do another show with you on arms completely because I have so many people asking what we can do about our arms. Anytime. And thank you so much. You were a pleasure today, and I can't believe we're out of time. I am going to have you back for round two. So listeners, stay tuned. And if you want to find Dr. Toby Mayer out of Beverly Hills, go to personallifemedia.com, and we are going to link our website to his. And you can get a transcript of today's show by going to personallifemedia.com. And Dr. Toby Mayer, we have so much more to talk to you about. We'll have you back. Thank you very much, Terry. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 